Hi there, I'm John Underhill, and this is the Red Special Guitar Podcast. Today is the first ever Red Special Guitar Podcast, and I'd like to welcome everyone who is listening to join me each month to talk about the legendary Red Special Guitar. For those of you that know me, you'll know that for the last three or four years I've been arranging the Red Special Guitar Meetup in the UK, and I've been welcoming people from all different backgrounds with all different views to meet up and talk about the Red Special Guitar and their experiences with it. So with COVID-19 upon us and unable to meet in person, I decided to put together the podcast. In each episode, I'll not only talk about the guitar on my own, but I'll also be talking to a guest or guests who've been inspired by the guitar in some way. From people who've built their own guitar, to people who build commercial copies, to people who've worked on the Red Special, and for people who work with Brian May himself. On this first episode, I'm going to be catching up with my friend Luke Holwerder from Phoenix, Arizona, who earlier this year hosted the first ever Red Special meetup in the USA. Luke has spent several years building his own Red Special, which he documented on his YouTube channel. He's also a professional photographer, works on two podcasts, and earlier this year released a sci-fi horror movie globally on iTunes, reaching number one in several of the categories. To say Luke is a clever chap is an understatement, but he graciously took some time out of his busy schedule to talk to me for the first podcast. Hello, Luke. Holwerder from Phoenix, Arizona. How are you? Hello, hello, hello. (laughs) I don't know if you actually want to start that way. (laughs) Can do. (laughs) It's uh, it's pretty much you, so... uh... Welcome to the podcast, the Red Special Guitar Podcast, the first ever Red Special Guitar Podcast. How does that make you feel, that you've been chosen? It's amazing, and it smells great. Excellent. That really comes across in a podcast, so I'm glad you mentioned it, because I was thinking the same thing. It's minty. (laughs) Minty. Like the Red Special Tremarm tip, which is actually (laughs) grey. So I've given you a lovely gushing intro, Luke, telling everyone how wonderful you are and how much I hate you because you tend to be good at everything. But based on that, oh. <laughs> um, I wanted just to talk about how this year you arranged the first ever US Red Special Meetup in Phoenix, Arizona, and you arranged it just before the coronavirus pandemic. Yes, I was, um, I was very aware that it was coming on. No, it was just pure dumb luck. And the only thing we really planned was... Um, for the people coming from abroad, I wanted it to be the most temperate possible Arizona experience. So I just happened to look at the calendar and thought, well, this is the last day before it gets up to about 100 degrees. Let's do it then. And and it worked, yeah. And I was pretty surprised how many people came out because I, you know, I've never been to one. I never knew that it existed until I saw yours. And I thought damn, we need one over here. So I kind of put the feelers out and I was basically asking if anyone else wanted to do it besides me um, so that I could just go and enjoy it. And uh, nobody else took the reins. So I said, well, I guess it's down to me. And you put it together. And as we said, if you build it, they will come. And they did <laughs> from all over the world. They did. I'm very surprised. I mean, um, you came from England and Doug came from Scotland, and uh, we had people from Nebraska and Tennessee and Georgia and California. Um, one guy drove 18 hours or something to be here, and he brought about 20 guitars. It's pretty wild. 
and uh, James, James Chen. Chen. Yeah, the one and there, only. There is a <laughs> there is a video. Um, Luke put together a video on YouTube for the Red Special Meetup in Phoenix from himself, um, from his own perspective, doing a trouble booster demo. I think. Yes. I mean, I, I, I hoped that it would have turned out a little nicer. <laughs> I wanted to um, have a audio book, basically, of all the different treble boosters, and we, we, we managed to gather a pretty pretty solid grouping of treble boosters. And actually, Greg Fryer in Australia sent me a bunch so that we had a few more. And I had big elaborate plans to film it with a couple cameras and had some of my film friends come out and film it. And we set up microphones, and long story, very long story, um, the the PA didn't work for us, so we basically lost all the sound, but we had the sound coming through the cameras, and so it's not amazing, but it's still, I think, a, a decent resource, but not as good as it could have been, but I had big plans. Pretty good for a first attempt. So does that mean that as you didn't achieve what you wanted to, you're likely to arrange a second US meetup when you're for able sure. to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have to demolish expectations next time um we have to kill all the flashing lights and uh get better i quite like the lights i didn't at all it gave me a headache for a week <laughs> well yeah for anyone who wasn't there we we had um we, we we set up in this this restaurant bar and they they, they had just um they had just opened so they and they had this stage at the back of the house, which which they just let us run free and let us do anything we wanted. We had their PA, we had their lights, but they couldn't stop the automation on the lights. So that so everything was just spinning and strobing the whole day. And if we turned them off, we had no light. So we 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 tried to live with it. Some people, some people that at the meetup actually started uh, figuring out how to turn off the the motion. So we had some lights that weren't moving, but they were at least still blinking. So it's pretty fun. It was certainly a highlight <laughs> for me. <laughs> no, it was great. It was. It, I think it went really well for the first one. I think it's. Um, I was surprised how many people actually in Phoenix, um, or me that too. lived in Phoenix, came. Yeah, I, I, I mean, we we spoke about this at the meetup. Um, I, you know, kind of thought I was the only person from Phoenix even on these forums or, or you know, reaching out to people or building a guitar or doing any of this stuff, and then. Once I put the the word out that we were doing it, um, at least four or five people from Phoenix said, I'm going. And, and it's like they've just been kind of behind the scenes, you know, on the forum watching this stuff. So that was cool for me, you know, knowing that there was people from my hometown coming out. And it felt like this, in a way, it felt like a really kind of bizarre experiment in terms of like how far does this, does the love of this guitar reach? Um, does it reach Arizona? How, how, you know, how much is it here? Is it just me? And doing this kind of experiment, you know, we found people all over the States and obviously people in England and Europe, um, they're all into it. And, and people flew with their guitars out to do this. And so it felt like this very successful experiment. And we, we talked about this a lot on the day, different people in different groups. But how, how bizarre is it that a kid and his dad in their shed built this guitar and you know destroyed the world with it and then we're getting together and talking about it and building our own copies and meeting in phoenix arizona of all places to discuss it pretty wild it's pretty cool isn't it it's uh i, I like the you know that whole thought around 
all of us before the internet because some of this happened before the internet and even during the internet have been on the same path the same love of the same the same guitar and all falling in love with the story of it of the father and son team all around sure. the world and then and all of a sudden we can all get together and share our common interest definitely it's pretty powerful yeah yeah for me i mean the for me the way that i got into it um you know listening to queen music was what got me started but but then i, I kind of started focusing on brian and then just again happy happenstance um the guitarist magazine came out with greg fryer and 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 the copies that he did and the restoration he did on brian's guitar and so that's kind of where my like crazy journey happened with this guitar you know i started getting really into it and i reached out to greg before the time of the internet and you know we were faxing back and forth um, my dad had a fax machine at his job so we would write these long faxes and, and you know i still have some of them and you know on that like thermal paper and uh they're, they're interesting relics you know and uh like you said i mean it was i remember downloading pictures of the guitar and they would come across one line at a time like it was printing on the screen you know so it's it's, it's we've come a long way the wonders of dial-up broadband <laughs> dial-up internet yeah for yeah sure. so that that was that must be um that's a good few years back now like it's around 98 99 that article comes out i think in guitarist yeah Yep, I, I, I pulled out some of that some of those materials today and it was July ninety eight. And um mm. I don't know when the first time I reached out to Greg was, but my my dad was involved in that and um he has this personality of like if you if you wanna you know, meet someone, you wanna talk to someone, just find their number in the phone book and call them. And, you know, back then it was like doing an international call was really expensive. So, you know, he helped with that and uh yeah, we just reached out and um like I said, I mean, it must have been, it must have been right around that time because maybe a little after because we had to import the magazine to, to the states. Um, there's only like one place we could find those kind of magazines in Phoenix, so we would always wait. We'd always go down looking for you know guitar magazines, and so once that came in, we started discussing with him. Like I have, I have faxes from him from like '98 to about 2000, and I mean you know very sporadic, but. Um, yeah, it was like, again like a really weird kind of first contact with someone in, in you know in into Brian May like I was. It was Greg Fryer, you know. I didn't know anyone else, so that for me that's pretty weird. <laughs> it's a pretty cool story though, because it's what I, what I liked when you first told me, and it's a shame because your dad wasn't able to come to the meetup because I really wanted to meet him. Was that it's again it's a, a father enabling his son to follow his dreams, which is exactly the same thing as the origins of the guitar definitely yeah i mean i i was kind of going back through it in my mind today you know um i used to spend summers with my dad because my parents were divorced and um he had this box of, of cds and um basically like every weekend i would go down there i'd pick like a different band and so you know, we grew up with the beach boys but then in this box was the beatles and the hollies and frankie valley and moody blues and then one weekend it was queen and you know while i liked all the other music it was it was queen that was the first one that really like spoke to me and 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 and, and i think bizarrely in which most people may i don't think i've ever heard anyone else admit this the song that actually hooked me <laughs> was body language right and it was because it spoke to me in a weird way because it just told me that music has no boundaries and this band has no boundaries 
and that's what drew me to Queen. But what drew me to Brian was how individual his playing was and how particular it was just to him that he didn't have to fit inside of someone else's box and he didn't have to conform to what other guitar players did. And like, to me, that meant, okay, I can go do what I want to do now because I, I see what he's doing with his influences, what he's cobbled together from Jimi Hendrix and Rory Gallagher and Skiffle and Dixieland Jazz with the guitar that he made with his dad. And he, it, and it turned into this music. And I thought, okay, I can do my own thing. And I wasn't, I didn't play music like Brian, but he gave me the, he gave me the push to, to make my own music, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And it's something we've talked about again, which is just around how the, the whole story influences, influences us. I can't say the word influences us all in a slightly different way. Right. Um, and how we all, you've got people in the group that play guitar. It's inspired people to play queen music. It's inspired people to build guitars. It's inspired people to enable like yourself to think actually it's okay to be me and do what I want to do and I'm allowed to and no one I don't have to fall into this box of the guitar players that you probably would have listened to before him it, it's an it's an odd thing he's got a lot to answer for Brian yeah he does De- definitely he does <laughs> you know I, when, when when I was growing up and, and looking for these guitars um you know the guild was new and we could never find one like my dad and I we, we would go hunting and I wanted that guild so bad, like for years and years and years. And we never saw anyone playing one. We, we never saw one in the store. And I always thought like, where did they go? And the only thing I could ever work out is it's on someone's wall, you know, in their dungeon or something like that, not being played. It's just in a glass case so that it can accrue interest and be sold one day in the future. And I thought like, that's not what these things are for. you know. <laughs> so I really wanted to get one. And um, then I realized how expensive they were. And I thought, well, that's going to be a while. So then I had to make it. Which took you on a nigh on 20 year journey to yeah. finally realize your goal and dream. Yeah, but, but you know, as you say, I mean, the, the, Brian, his influence, you know, it, it takes you in different places. It took everybody in a different place. Or, or maybe it kind of shoved them to, to, their, to their rightful place that they were going anyway. Um, but for me, I was, you know, kind of a weird kid and um, didn't know what I wanted to do. And then I, I, I thought, I, I can do this. I want, I want to do this. I want to make noises. I, I was really influenced um, by Radiohead at the same time. And so I kind of wanted to put these two things together, like real melodic music and sound effects. And I went for it, you know, and the band, you know, never, never really, never really made it. We, we made a lot of music and we were excited and we were happy and it was all fine. And it kind of, you know, petered out. But then I, I kind of um, kept it going, you know, I kind of kept that influence, which which for me just transferred into a different form, um, which turned into like photography for me and, and like photographing my own band <laughs> because we could never get band photos that we were all happy with. We, we didn't know what we were doing. Like, I actually remember, I remember specifically watching the Wembley concert and going, pause it, okay. See how they're framing Freddie right here? We need we need video like this, you know. We we need these kind. I was like learning how to do cinematography, watching the Wembley concert, and I would I would hire my friends to come over and film us, you know, when we had gigs. And I was like, all I want you to do is film the singer's head 
from head to shoulders. Like this is what, you know, and it was, it was a weird, it's a weird track that it took me on, you know? And then I started doing, um, concert photography and then I went into, um, music videos and ultimately making movies. And it's been a weird thing, but like I can all, I can tra track it all back down to Brian and that guitar because it just, it just pushed me in, in, in my own way. And it, it kind of gave me the, like a free pass to do it. If that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, you can tell as well that, you know, you speak really passionate about, passionately about it. And, um, I don't know if anyone's listening to this, but if anyone is, Luke is a very accomplished person, um, which I probably will go over too many times, but, um, well, I just tell you that year, I'm accomplished. One... Yeah, <laughs> well, there is that. I just believe you. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, earlier this year, Luke released a brand new film on iTunes, which ended up being the top in the sci-fi category for two or three weeks, Luke. Yeah. Yep. Um, in the States. Yeah. I, we, you know, we put this thing out and this was something we've been working on for a long time. And um, again, it was just the kind of thing we thought um, we're going to make our own thing. We're, we're going to make this weird sci-fi movie about time travel, about going backwards in time or other things are going forward in time. It's this kind of like realistic science type movie with, with, you know, with different influences and things like that and Lovecraft and things like that. And, um, um, it was a risk, you know, we, we didn't know if people would like it and not everybody liked it, but, um, we, we, we were kind of starting to find our following for that film and yeah, we went number one in our category. So it's, it's been a pretty wild ride. So we're, we're, we're working on the next thing and, um, I'm always trying to get a queen song into a movie, but it's hard to make them fit into the weird stuff I make, but one day. Yeah, I'm sure you will manage to get Queen into one video at some point. What's the film called, Luke, and where can people go and have a look at it? Uh, the film is called Intersect, um, and you can find it on... you can Anywhere you can find a movie, basically, you can find this movie, because we happen to get really good distribution, so it's pretty much available any, everywhere worldwide on m most every platform, except for the... the, the uh, streaming services netflix doesn't have it yet and um prime but we are on amazon anywhere you can buy a movie i guess i should say um so yeah so it's 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 in a good spot right now and we have a blu-ray on our website if you want one <laughs> it's definitely worth checking out um and you'll see some of luke's work and what's interesting is for anyone that has ever watched or is aware of luke's red special build youtube videos is some of the shots in Intersect are very similarly filmed to <laughs> to that to that series of videos, and I was watching the film going, that that's the same move he did in in the build video, um, which nicely links us to your build videos, Luke. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you you told me that, and I was, I mean, it was, it was flattering, but I was also kind of like, which shots is he talking about? Because because I mean, <laughs> that 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 movie was filmed a long time ago, and you know, I guess you know you have your influence, so. But I was like, yeah, it's, I mean, it's in there. I like, you know, my, my close-up macro shots, I guess. But yeah, I think there's some movements that are. Uh, I'd have to go and watch it again, which I can do, and I will. <laughs> I'm not putting you, you on the spot. I know it'll probably, <laughs> probably bug you, but there's a couple of shots when they're in the. Um, I can't think what the name of it is. Where the I don't want to ruin it either, but the big scientific thing that's made is the portal. They're in there, and you've got some panning shots and then some close-ups of the of the monitors and screens with some of the readouts and i think yeah it's a combination of the shot and the transition and then the the, the shot it follows into so the sequence okay. is very similar yeah, yeah. Um, oh yeah 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 there's some montage in there i forgot about that 
yeah, yeah. but it's just the the way that you can tell that you have a way of filming things and editing and putting things together i think that's having watched i mean i've shamelessly or shamefully watched your youtube videos on your red special build probably more than i have watched intersect <laughs> i <laughs> i think that's all right <laughs> i don't expect anyone to watch intersect at all let alone twice <laughs> <laughs> but i mean like i've watched these videos loads because you helped inspire me to actually put my own guitar together earlier this year and finally get on and do it because you showed how to go about doing that which is fantastic well i kind of thought of it as like my way of kind of contributing something to to the community you know um because i i was kind of just a lurker on, on the on the forums and and gathering information and learning how to do things myself and um i i kind of felt like there wasn't a resource the for the exact way that my brain works you know I, i'm i'm very visual and i want to i like seeing things being put together and things like that i don't really like reading manuals so um that's that's why i did it i just i wanted to have something that i could go if someone said how'd you make that i go watch these videos and that's how i made it you know and and frankly and then also just to show my dad because um we were going to work on this together but it, it wasn't really feasible to do um, I mean, I, I work weird hours, so like, it was basically like progress reports from my dad. It's a long-winded way of doing it, but it's uh, fantastic. If you haven't checked <laughs> it out, head over to Luke's YouTube channel, um, which I can never remember the name of. Well, there isn't a very good way to find it. It's, I think it's just Luke yourself, I think. Or you can just probably put in Red Special Build and maybe Luke and it'll come up. And it's definitely, it's about 48 minutes long if you watch them all back to back. Not that I've ever done that um many times but um it's certainly um if anyone that's out there wanting to build a red special or to understand the construction luke's methods and construction and choices are very authentic and it's a a very good how-to on how you can approach building a red special and i've fortunately been able to play luke's red special and it is one of the nicest red specials i have played and i have been very fortunate to have played most so uh, well done, Mr. Luke, on your thank build. you. You're it's, very nice it's to say that. Guitar. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I did. I did want to try to be as authentic as I could. I mean, because of I'm, I'm a maniac for it, you know. And so I, I've seen replicas and, and and other guitars that are available, and I kind of just think, yeah, I think I would want it to look like this. And so, so I did it that way. I mean, it's not really a resource for people who need to know how to build it. Is the thing it, it's for people already doing it i think it's just kind of a help guide is how i how i look at it like if you get stuck with like how does this thing go together it, it that that's what it does there's no plans available i don't have you know i don't have that kind of stuff so it's really just it's just like a visual reference but it's a it's i mean it's the best resource visual re- resource out there um if you wanted to try and build one or understand what goes into building one because the construction which has always amazed me is how Brian and Harold took what was available at the time and had a look at it, decided that it wasn't very good and that they could p- potentially improve on Fenders and Gibsons from back in the day. Um, and they made it out of scraps around the home. And it, argue, it, it it doesn't like follow guitar rules. The mahogany neck does, I think, but using oak is, you talk to any luthier or, or um, exotic wood specialist and, suggest oak as a tone wood and they're like no oak's not a tone wood what are you talking about crazy person but i think i think it's it's 
I think it's the perfect guitar for for kind of smashing all of these ideas. You know, um, like you said, it it doesn't follow anything in terms of in terms of the woods. Like maybe the, the mahogany neck, but I think I wonder if that was again just out of necessity. We have this piece of yeah. wood that's roughly the size of the neck, so we're going to use it. I mean, if it was oak, would it have been oak? You know, um, I think I counted at one point, at least for for the for the guitar that I made, I think I ended up using 42 different pieces of wood, having glued together my own blockboard, not, not even knowing what it was. I, I remember Brian saying it's made out of blockboard. And I thought like, okay, also I'll go buy some blockboard and no idea what that was. Um, but yeah, after, after I counted up all the pieces, including like the pieces of veneer that I had to glue together to make the, to, to make the top and the back and the sides, I think it was 42 pieces of individual pieces of wood. And that's a very weird way to do it. I mean, my dad likes to refer to the Telecaster as the slab guitar, you know, because it's just one hunk of wood and they cut some holes in it and they're, you know, you're done. And Brian and his dad went, we're going to make this thing hollow, but how do we do that? And again, when you dive into it and you kind of see it come together, you see where they were in their, in their heads and like how we can achieve this with the things that we have and you know gluing two pieces together and kind of drilling down or chiseling down into one and up into the other like gives you that chamber and it's like that's brilliant and and that's not what fender would have done but but it works everything works and everything works better <laughs> than fender. i mean we could talk about how, how how superior this guitar is but but just the fact that it is superior with the things that they had like you know there's no one way to do anything and i think again that's that's like another analogy for brian like there's no one way to be a guitar player and there's no one way to, to build a guitar and it's like the perfect encapsulation of that and uh is. if i could have the one thing i wanted to do with the video which i only did a little bit of i wanted to make a stop animation of all the parts hopping into the guitar and like building itself there's no practical way to do that but um that was the one thing i wanted to do i wanted to like kind of rubik's cube itself together but you know if i ever do it again maybe yeah if you <laughs> so you're thinking about another one then mm, not really <laughs> the um the shot you did was with the switches wasn't it where they hop along and jump into the switch plate i think yeah and i i did the switch i mean there's a couple of pieces i can't remember i think i did the switches and i did like the blockboard making itself at the beginning yep. and maybe one or two other little little tiny things but yeah i like stop animation yeah no it's um it's good you can really see though that you not just the, in the build the quality that you achieve but in the, the videoing and the production that you put together just to make a youtube video for not just to but you, you know you, you spent a long time doing it you cared to make sure that you wanted the guitar to be how you wanted it to be and i know it's not necessarily in the videos but when you actually constructed your own you had to redo things a couple of times yeah 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 i mean but but i think you you nailed it like it it, it was just it, i mean it was really to appease myself you know i i wanted to make it the way that worked for me you know like if if this had been there, th this would have been the video that I would have chosen to watch because it worked for, for my brain, and and so that's how I put it together. And I and I made them short, you know. I put I put them to music. I put them to what started. I put it to a Queen song, um, and then I realized, well, I don't know if I should do that because they might get taken down off YouTube. So I started putting them to my own music, not to be vain, 
but just because I knew that I owned them. And so I kind of isolated the steps into um, three to five or six minute pieces just based on that. And it kind of dictates how fast the edit goes and things like that. And um, I don't know, I think I think it helps it keep it keep it like bite size. Definitely. And I think if you, you know, you can sit down and watch it all in one go, which I have done a couple of times. Um, and it, <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't drag too much because there's a because they're short and it's truncated and it's in small chapters almost and sections and how you've you've done it it really i definitely recommend checking it out if anyone wants to understand what goes into this guitar um because it's a lot more work than a normal guitar which is what we're trying to say i think but yeah 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 i i think i if i had two disclaimers one is um build a different guitar first <laughs> because there's some amount of learning how a guitar works that I think would have saved me a lot of time with this build. Because um, as you said, I, I I think I did the veneer three times, if not four, on the, including the sides. I did the top and bottom, I think, two or three times total and, and just kept messing it up, sanding through, and I had to, like, sand it all the way off and just start over. Um, I did the binding twice. You know, it, it, it was a learning process, and I, I've never done this before. Um, so I would say, <laughs> build a Telecaster one time, build a kit Telecaster, you know, save yourself a lot of time and just get some of that, that, that kind of comfortable, be comfortable with doing it. Um, the other disclaimer is follows it right after that first disclaimer. I've never done this before. So take it as a guide, but not as a rule book, because if you mess up your guitar based on my video, <laughs> I would feel bad, but, uh, I'm telling you right now, I'm no expert. I mean, yeah, I built mine after watching your videos. I did follow a lot of the techniques and similar paths that you took, but I did have my own views on a couple of things, which I did differently. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's just how I work and how how I go about things. But if you didn't know and you wanted to understand what goes into this project, if you were to undertake it, which is a lot of work, you can watch Luke's videos and you can see there is a lot of work involved in it. And but it gives you more respect for, for Brian and, and Harold, you know, for, for how much in inventing they had to do, because this is not, this is not an intuitive way to build a guitar, it, but it's a great way to do it. So, so if nothing else, it will give you respect, more respect for them. And like you and I, Luke, I mean, your journey started in 1998. So you maybe not picking up details and thinking about plans and building one yourself for that whole time but you've been slowly like i was generating enough knowledge to be able to put together to understand what all the different woods were and how the construction might happen and looking at pictures and t picking up tiny details and curating the parts that need to go into this thing to try and make it as accurate as you can so that you feel comfortable that it's as faithfully close as you can but we're like nigh on 20 years of, of research and having something to copy but back in the early 60s 16 year old and his father were like yeah we're gonna make a guitar and uh we're gonna make it out of the stuff lying around the house and uh yeah we're gonna just do it and we're just gonna do it we're just gonna journey. build the best guitar <laughs> yeah i know it's wild to me i mean it, it it every time i learn something about this guitar and and like there's never there's never not a new thing to learn there's there's always some weird little screw that got used and you go where the hell did that come from but the the more you hear about it the more you learn about it, the more respect you have for them and 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 just that 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 kind of you know british 
attitude of like we're just gonna do it we're gonna build the best guitar there ever was and in our shed you know and it, it's wild to me and it's inspiring and yeah i mean like i say it, it really kind of drove me to do to doing a lot of what i what i what i've done just because it's just that 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 most basic inspiration of you can you can do anything if you put your mind to it and I, you know you can't you can't necessarily be brian may out of queen but you can build a guitar if you if you really put your mind to it you can do that you know <laughs> depending on how you set your goals you can do anything you set your mind to people look at it as well and go i couldn't do that but i don't know i think like that's true but i think again people see it and think how hard it is but there's a lot of resources out there and there's a lot of people to help along the way and i know that you helped me with mine um immensely so not only the videos but when i constructed mine luke was pretty much on call every day so i was like oh luke <laughs> i need to uh screw this screw in uh, any advice and he'd yeah. <laughs> politely come back and go yeah you need to just screw that in john <laughs> or um <laughs> make yeah. sure you do it in this sequence because i learned to do this because the first time i did it it went wrong or practice on a separate piece mm -hmm. of wood or build another one so when you break the first one which you will then you're not upset because you've got to build it again um all those bits of advice were, were really helpful yeah you know um not to not to name drop too much here but um i i work on a different podcast which maybe you mentioned and um we got to interview brian and you did. Uh, i was going to come on to that so well done oh, okay <laughs> perfect no no, no. <laughs> We, we, um, it was dream come true, you know, I mean, I, every time, every time a name comes up, you know, when we were like, what, what's the next podcast going to be? And I was like, how about Brian May? <laughs> because it's, it's a science-based podcast. It's, it's a podcast that kind of focuses on, um, the intersection of science and culture and, and entertainment in that way. And I made the case that no one is a better example than Brian May because he is, he is a pillar in, in both communities, you know, um, obviously in, in rock music and music generally, but in, in science as well. And, and the way we actually, we got to him is because our host, um, knew the head of the NASA program that, that Brian was working on for, um, new, new horizons. And we were going to get them both on at the same time. And it just happened to work out in my fortune anyway, that Brian couldn't do it at the same time. So he said, the only way we can do it is if you come to my house. And I thought, perfect, we'll do it. <laughs> and uh, we happened to be going to England anyway, and we were getting other interviews. And it was just the most amazing experience for me. And, and for me, I, I try to um, err on the side of playing it cool to the point of playing it way too cool. <laughs> but uh, fortunately, the host of the podcast and my friends and my brother who, who, who helped me with the podcast all just kind of said, he's building your guitar. <laughs> so it, it kind of broached itself that way. So I got to I got to talk to Brian a little bit about um, building the guitar and, and, and the process. And um, interestingly, um, about how they, they, you know, there were prototypes of, of different of different items and things like that, different tremolos, which most people know. Um, I didn't know that he kept all those things. <laughs> so he's got all those. And I was like, oh, man, that's amazing. So it, it's interesting to just to know that, you know, the experimentation that went on behind the scenes and um, how influential his dad was on him. 
um, really made an impact an impact on me, obviously, because of the parallel with my dad. Um, so that was a that was a very special experience. So yeah, it was it was like this weird culmination of um, going through the this this weird series of my life and then ending up in Brian May's house, <laughs> which I didn't tell him all this, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was a pretty wild ride for me. It sounds very Luke, knowing you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. what's, so just just I've never actually asked you this, but when you met him, what stage in your build were you? Mm, well, I mean, to know exactly, I, I honestly can't remember. I mean, I, I hadn't put, I hadn't bolted the two pieces together. Um, I think right, the body was. Um, no, no, no. I mean, I think the body was. The, I think the neck was done. Uh, maybe didn't have frets maybe that's where i was um, but the body was finished and, and 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 polished and just kind of sitting and hardening um and i think i was working on the frets and you know when 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 our host t told brian it was that was, i was building the car he's like where is it <laughs> like well it's in two pieces in phoenix <laughs> like, oh damn but he was um he was very polite and very nice I mean, as everybody will ever say about brian he was very accommodating and very sweet to me to talk to me about it and um got a photo with him which i i i kind of i like hate asking people for photos i hate being that guy but luckily like i said everybody else asked for me so it was very yeah. it was a very nice visit for me no it's, um i've never met him myself so jealous as usual mm. of your endeavors but... <laughs> well he, he's got to come to one of these meetups at some point well, the other thing I was going to do is um, now is a great time to, to talk about it is one of the, the benefits of having a podcast about something is and hopefully people will listen is that someone listening one day might know Brian May and go, oh, there's a Red Special guitar podcast. So today I'd like to launch the Get Brian May and the Red Special on the Red Special guitar podcast <laughs> campaign. If there you'd you like to follow that, uh, anyone that knows Brian and can point this in his direction, um, you're more than welcome to join us. Dr. May, we'd love to chat to you about your inspiration for the guitar and all things that you would be happy to talk to. So uh, that's officially something I'm going to talk about in every episode until he's on. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You never know so where it's going to go, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, your story's great. Um, um, like the whole Greg Fryer involvement. Am I right in thinking you're still in touch with Greg today, 20 years later, or 22 years later? Yeah. Um, Oh, I mean, we, we, we had like a dark period there, um, where we didn't speak, but, um, you know, I was in, I was in high school when I first started talking to him and, and, um, I think the only reason he, he really cared about talking to me was because I was not necessarily a Brian May style guitar player using his, using his gear. So he was kind of interested in, in the, in the signal path that I was using, um, cause our, our music was kind of, kind of a mix of Radiohead and REM and it, it, you know, it was a different type style of music. So, so I think that was the kind of appeal for Greg to keep talking to me, um, other than I was buying his stuff. Um, but no, he was, he's been very, he's been very cool to me and, and, uh, you know, c coming back to the forums and doing the meetup and things like that, like I've, I've gotten more in contact with him, um than I had been over the past few years, but, um, no, he's been, he's, uh, like I said, he sent me some pedals for the, some treble boosters for the meetup. 
um, some some yep. spares, and so we could sell them. Some people had opportunity to 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 actually try them out firsthand, which we don't have over here, at least especially in Arizona. And um, he um, he he's he's just been um, he's just been very sweet to me and sharing a lot of information and um, giving me tips on my build and things like that. So yeah, it's been it's been pretty wild. Like and as I said, it was like he was the first non you know schoolmate um person that i spoke to about brian may and it was like it's, it's just weird to think about that now he was brilliant so on the the meetup um you did your section on the trouble booster demo and you um well, i don't know that you asked me but i stood up and decided i would talk whilst you were playing guitar yeah well that that that, that kind of happened naturally because uh i think as you know um you kind of can't do everything <laughs> when you're hosting your meetup. And so um, just the, the physical act of holding a microphone and playing guitar and talking about the treble booster and setting up the next treble booster, you need a couple, a couple hands for that. So that I, I definitely roped you in against your will, but um, I think I think it worked out. <laughs> so I, th- I thank you for that. Double act. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> uh, invoice in the post. Yeah. <laughs> And, and you're right, Luke, that one of the, the difficult things I've always struggled with this whole red special thing is that when I found the forum, you could find that, you know, you need a red special guitar, you need a treble booster, you need an AC30. Well, we can all go down to our local guitar, guitar store and try an AC30, although trying to up full, you probably get told off. But nowhere really stocks Brian May treble boosters. Right. That you can, like, walk in and plug one in. So you, you are buying them off of the back of the strength of, someone else has bought one blind or without hearing it from a right. guy in Australia or from a guy in England or from wherever. Um, and they're saying this is the sound and you, you kind of, you, you can't go and pick one up and plug it in and, and listen to it. You have to spend your yep. money and hope that you got it right. And that's what I really like about the meetups and is that you've got a wide variety of people with all this different experience and all on a similar journey, but everyone brings a bit of kit or their, their treble booster, or their guitar, or their their AC30, or their chorus, and it's a great chance to actually hear them live yourself, hear how that interacts, maybe have a play Definitely. It. Yeah, and my my one anecdote for that is um, when I contacted Greg, I had I didn't have an AC30. Um, I had just bought like what I what I would consider my first professional amp, which was a Fender Twin Reverb, um, which is a totally different kind of amp from from the ac30 and as i was playing in a garage in phoenix arizona we weren't um set up for wembley stadium so i would turn my amp on to where it just started to make noise and that was my setting (laughs) just barely loud on you know and i eventually i got the treble booster and greg said when you get an ac30 i will walk you through how to get the sound i thought great this is gonna be amazing so i got an ac30 and even louder than the than the twin reverb um it, you know impossible to use in the settings that i played in um little bars and things like that around here and i plugged the trouble booster in. i'm like here we go it's gonna be amazing and it wasn't <laughs> it was the honest answer because i was not caning those those tubes you know i, I it was it was so quiet it, it, you know in relation to, to, to the way brian plays it didn't work i didn't get that sound and I, I, there was a, there was a band that was older than us and there was a his, their, their guitar player was, he was like a really great blues player. He was like one of the best guitar players in Phoenix that I'd ever seen. 
And I went to his house and I was like, can you try this pedal out and tell me what I'm doing wrong? And he plugged it in and he was like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> and it's just because he had his settings, you know, they were set up and then you plug the treble booster in and you, you get more, you get extra, you get, it sweetens your sound, you get sustain, you get all these little things. But for me, you know, being in this band, this weird band that I was in with, you know, effect pedals and, and overdrive pedals and things like it didn't, it didn't work in my path. So I kind of had to like figure out how to use it. And, um, but it's that kind of thing. Like it's not intuitive, e even though I obviously knew how Brian did it, you know, in theory, it didn't work for me. And so going to being able to go to the meetup, I mean, two or three of the guys from Phoenix came to me and they just said, I've never heard a guitar sound like that. And it was just having the right setup, you know, using an attenuator and things like that. And it's those kind of things you, they're not intuitive and you, and you, you can't ask your non Brian May fan friend how to do it because it's, you know, it's, it's just, it's just not that simple. You have to have the right tools, the right settings, and I have to have things in the right spot, you know, and I used to hear Brian say things like, you know, if you're standing in the right spot, you know, next to the amp, you can have this thing sustained forever. And I was like, how's he doing that? You know, but like, when you play on stage and you can turn up louder and louder and louder, you start to realize that you start to realize that the guitar comes alive and it's this weird animal and you can control it. But when you're playing in your bedroom, it, it makes no sense. There's nothing, there's no, there's no way to relate to that. So I think again, like as a resource for other people, I, it was, you know, you, the meetup that you host, um, it, it shows you so much, of these other products and you know the other the pieces of the sound and being able to to to, to illustrate how they work um it was great and i wanted that experience frankly and i wanted it here and i wanted people to come out and bring all their pedals and i just wanted to plug them all in and go that's how you get this sound that's how you get this sound so yeah it was it was it was, it was as much a selfish endeavor as it was for everybody else so well to be honest, that's why I started the the UK meetup back in 2016. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I had a difficult time in life and sort of moved away from the, the Brian May world and came back to it um, and then just thought, wouldn't it be great to get all my mates together again and see what, what everyone's playing these days and post it up, would anyone like to come along? And it's turned into what it's turned into. And, you, I, you know, it, for me, it's become more about the people, I, I guess, like meeting yourself and becoming friends and chatting more and then getting everyone together with a different background and looking and understanding what gear they use and and seeing them and you know it becomes more than more than the guitar and you go back to why we're all there and you think this brian may has a lot to answer for <laughs> yeah i i mean i i made the joke to you already but um imagine if him and his dad had built a tree house yeah <laughs> you know yeah we, that would be a, wouldn't it be a very weird meetup an oak mahogany blockboard treehouse <laughs> but i bet it sounds amazing yeah just going back to what you were talking about the guitar though with the settings and whatnot one of the things that if you haven't ever played a traditional sort of authentically built red special with an oak core with blockboard is as soon as you pick the thing up and you strum that a chord which is what everyone should do um, when you pick up a red special is the whole guitar vibrates on you not massively but you can feel the thing resonate and you don't get that on a unfortunately you don't get that on a bmg so much and you don't get that on a fender so much 
but you, you pick up one of these things that's got the chambers and the right sort of orientation and a bit of oak and a nice piece of mahogany on it and you strum it and you feel the whole thing move and then when you get to the meetup or if you have the chance to play the full rig at a decent volume you can then you can feel the guitar interacting with the sound coming out of the speakers of the amplifier and you, it, almost intuitively you can then control it and it it makes the playing experience to me anyway makes the playing experience more pleasurable because you feel that connection with it definitely and and that that's one of those things you 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 can't describe that to a non-guitar player for sure but e even in somebody who who isn't into this exact guitar it, it sounds like you know woo 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 magic stuff you know it's like it's oh man this guitar's alive but but it really does you, you can feel the air in the guitar you can feel it pulsing and you can feel when the string is going to feed back naturally and not just from um, the overdrive you know you you can feel it start to to feeding back on itself and you can control the sustain you can control the pitch and things and i i mean i went years having this gear and never experiencing that and it's it, until you get to the right settings you don't so it just sounds like magic and um but once you once you once you hear it and, and you you can experience it you, you actually feel it i mean I, it's it's hard to say that it translates to the listener but when you're playing it it's it's there it's in your fingers and it maybe you could argue it doesn't make you sound better but it makes you play differently you you feel it's a different sensation in your hands and you and you can do different things with it and and it's the, this this kind of thing I remember speaking to um, Merlin in, in France um, on the forum because he was getting really deep into the, the digital um, interfaces, you know, trying to get into the Brian May sound and, and, and you, know, you know, getting all the delays and the choruses and things like that. And I was like, do you have amps? Have you ever plugged into amps? And he's like, I can't, I can't do it, you know, where, where he lives. And then he eventually did. And, I, and it wasn't like I was trying to slag off the digital stuff, but there is a different experience when you're in front of a, of a loud amp. Like you, you respond differently, the guitar responds differently, and and the room is different, you know. And it, and it, and it's just it's a special thing, regardless of how good it sounds. I mean, I used to love just getting feedback going with my band and like putting delay and tremolo and like doing weird things with feedback that were not musical, but like I enjoyed. <laughs> but you can't, but you can't, you know, you can't experience that w without an amp, you know. So it's. It's a special thing to, to when you when you feel that when all those things work for you for your sound that you're going for whether it's your own sound or Brian May's sound when you feel it you go now I get it. It's the, I think it's just sort of reflecting on what you're saying there and resonating with me. It's almost like as well when I get to the opportunity at home to plug mine all in and turn it all up full and use the attenuators on a, a decent setting. There's a responsibility there to to look after the sound because it can get out of control um pretty easily but you, you're kind of responsible for it and so you take it you, you know you you own it a lot more because you've got this power there to to look after if that makes with with great power comes great responsibility john <laughs> it certainly does but i think another thing that um and i guess i'm pitching going to meetups um at the minute without really realizing but it's those things that you don't get unless you push the amps properly but one of the questions that comes up on the forum a lot is around, oh, I've turned my AC30 up and I'm getting this, I plug the treble booster in and I'm getting this horrendous hiss sound. Is that right? And 
it doesn't feel like you were saying earlier Luke, it doesn't feel natural to to then turn your guitar up and listen because it seems like at that state it's not going to be right that snowstorm is not a it's not a good sound um but you until you push through and then you start turning the guitar up and and you go to the right place um then you realize that is the right sound and that's what you're looking for because without that the, the you, without the storm you don't get the the nice part the, at the end of it yeah well th- th- there's another there's a couple things to be said about that too if you're playing you know I, when i first got the ac30 the first thing i did was turn it all the way up and just see what it sounded like and you know my air conditioning vents rattled and things fell off the wall you know and i was like cool it's loud <laughs> you know but i can't do anything with that you know um but that's one side of it one, one side of it is it is damn loud in your bedroom and it's impossible to do anything with and then when when you're too afraid to turn your volume up and actually hear it all you can hear is that and you're just going if that's that loud everything else is going to be crazy loud but there's two things with that you know when you mic an amp um for recording and you're playing like a lot of that doesn't come through you know a lot of that is 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 in the room and it's in the air but if with a close-up microphone a lot of that goes away it's not like a crazy thing but when you're playing with a band um again things fill each other in you know i mean and you have to take precautions to not get crazy going over everybody else but all those things they they fill each other in and then it kind of makes the sound more full like i remember you i remember i'd hear um bands from phoenix they would they would get their albums made and uh i i used to have these huge pedal boards full of different effects and I would, there was like a band that I liked and he would do some cool stuff with pedals. So I was like, oh, can I get, I bought his album. And I was like, you know, how did you do the delays on this song? And he's like, oh, we didn't, we didn't. That was all put in post. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, we just played clean and then they added all the effects. And I was like, that's so depressing <laughs> because that guy, you know, I, in my mind, he crafted his sound and he went to the studio and they said, turn all that off. We'll do it in post. And it came out sounding so sterile. It was clean, you know, and neat, but but so sterile. And, and like, I didn't want to listen to it. But when you see them live, there was this gel. Maybe it is that hiss and all that noise. But if, if you if you start taking that stuff away, you kind of chip away at the magic of, of live music. Yeah, you, you can, if, you, if anyone has ever taken a Queen song or one of those um, multi-layered tracks that you can download and listen to the raw sound in isolated parts, you, you can hear the AC-30 in the background, you can hear the drums kicking through on mm-hmm. some of the guitar tracks and vice versa. And there's a raw a rawness to Queen songs when you take the layers away. It sounds like a polished, perfect piece at the end, but... But that's why they're polished and perfect, because it's 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 a it's an amalgam of sound. You know, like if you if you play a G, I think it's a G. If you play a G on the bass, the snare the snare drum will just go, you know. But it's like every snare drum will do that. But it but it's just part of music. You know, sort of reminiscing in my head about the the Queen sounds that made me fall in love, and you you just especially the guitar, just. There's something about that sound and the rawness of it, but the organicness that, that it sounds like. But then that's like electronically, I, I don't know. It's the combination he achieved with the the home build guitar, bumping into Rory Gallagher and asking about a treble booster, buying an AC30. I mean, again, how different this story could have been if he hadn't bumped into him or if Rory had said, not telling you, mate, oh, we do it all in post. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we, we just let some other guy figure it all out. We don't even know what we're doing. No, it's, it's great. I, I used to... Um, I used to have a, a list. I, I lost it. I also would have, I would have, I would have referenced it for this, but I had this list that I used to send people because because people found out that I like Queen. Uh, I, I'm when I really like something, everybody around me knows that I like it, and um, eventually people go, "All right, how do I get into this?" You know, whatever it is. And so I had a thing I called Queen School, and it was a it was a list of. In my mind, here's how you navigate the Queen waters. You know, here's how you get a little bit of the operatic stuff. Here's how you get the rock stuff. Here's how you get the Dixieland jazz stuff. Here's the orchestrations, and it, and it was like a path to 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 understanding, in my mind, how Queen worked. And I I did I tried to isolate certain noises from from Brian's guitar, and the the one that always stuck with me is like dreamer's ball or um winter's tail you know that deaky amp sound and to me it always sounds sticky and it sounds like cotton candy like sticky cotton candy is being played that's 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 what the guitar is made out of like sticky cotton candy and like i hear that and like so now when every time i hear something going for the deaky amp sound it's like is it sticky <laughs> you know? there's there's this like there's this noise in his fingers that is not in the note that comes through with that amp and that's one of those things where i go that sound that like plucky stickiness is something that i love about that sound and it, and it, it's almost like an aberration it, it's almost something you would want taken out but but his finger on those strings I'm, it, it, that's one of the things that, that brought me to this guitar it's like it's such an individual sound it, i love it i just think the whole story is great and it's um I mean, the Deaky's a, a subject for another day, maybe, because that's a whole other, whole other few hours of discussion around around that little little beastie. But again, like you take the story, and I guess at the time you probably, Brian's probably, you know, they're not thinking what a great story this is, like oh, I built the guitar on my dad, and I certainly don't think they ever built it thinking that they're gonna, it's gonna go and tour around the world, um, because because of what it's made from, um and how it's held up i mean it's held up pretty well and it's had a bit of work done to it over the years but it, you know it was wasn't i don't know it just wasn't made to travel the world and be on every queen album ever and then i mean that's really rare as well not not many guitar players build the guitar then use it on every studio recorded song and then take it with them around the world and play it night after night after no night. no i mean i i mean i was trying to think of people that had you know and i think uh, the edge built a guitar and I, I remember them kind of going yeah but once we started playing we realized i needed to buy a real guitar and you know eddie van halen obviously built a guitar but it, even that was like it, it was kind of uh it, it, I, i'm i'm not a i wasn't a big follower of eddie van halen but like it felt like he went through phases with his guitars and it was like now we're building a new one and it's going to be a new thing and which i respect too but i, I really like that brian has been able to take this guitar and, and and turn it into whatever he wants, you know. And and you could pick up a Strat, you could pick up a Rickenbacker, um, but he didn't want to. He's like, nope, I'm I'm gonna give myself a constraint and 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 do something with this one guitar. And I I think that's really cool, you know. It's like in photography, if you, if you pick up one lens, and go, I'm gonna try to shoot everything with one lens, you. you your mind starts to work differently 
because when you have five lenses in your bag, you go, okay, we're shooting this chapel, get the wide lens, you know, and, and you instantly just, you just fall into these like routines. Whereas if you, if you, you, you kind of push yourself into a situation that you only have one way out, then you, then you have to, you become inventive in that way. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. And you've only got to listen to Queen's back catalogue to see how inventive he's been throughout the years and how he's been able to change the sound and the tone. I mean, and we've not even really touched on the wide availability of different tones in the guitar through the pickup switching system and what they were able to achieve there because that is, again, just so innovative. Expressive, too. And has stood the test of time as well. You know, he's still using the same system and he's still can sound like whatever he wants to sound like and through his amps and the ability of just using the volume rather than a pedal to stomp for distortion he's just it's it definitely feels like it's an extension of him and i've always thought which is something we've talked about that one of the reasons he's carried on using it all this time is not only because it's distinctive to his tone and his sound but is that connection every time he plays it to to his father harold he picks it up and it's that relationships being reminded he's reminding himself of of his dad and him working on it in the in the shed on those winter's nights chipping away at the wood and it's sort of like a it's a bit of him and a bit of his dad he's picking up every night yeah i mean that that that's a relic of of you know just full of memories and experience and and, and you know trials and tribulations all in one guitar you know and um think of how much work went into it and i mean i think you'd be weird to to leave it leave it home you know i think there was there was an interview with him somebody said well you're not gonna take that on the road he's like well yeah i have to take it on the road and i mean you understand that after a while you know if you if you if you play guitar and you develop a sound or you or you just develop a a comfortable situation with with your with your band or, or with your with your own sonic influence um you rely on it i mean most some people can switch guitars and it's not a big deal you know but i think when you make that connection sometimes it's even if you're playing a fifty thousand dollar guitar and somebody's like you can't take that one it's like no this one works you know this is this is this is what works for me i i can't change it you know so I, i think i think that that makes sense to me the thing i always wonder about i was um reminiscing the other day and i was looking through some old photos and i found a photo of um of myself rehearsing with our band like the first year of our band and i used to carry my pedals around in a briefcase (laughs) and i would just set them up on the stage and i remember thinking i wonder what brian was like the first the first time out you know like pulling out your homemade guitar as cool as as it is now um I don't know if it was if he was if he was that confident back then to you know put this homemade guitar on with a treble booster you know like what was it was it just stuff just sitting on the floor I, I wonder how he felt the first time out you know um or if it was just brilliant from the beginning i often wonder this too because there's clearly a point in queen where they become i wouldn't say arrogant but they they start to realize that they are probably the best band around at the time and although they appreciate and understand other musicians there's a definite especially in their live performances that you can tell as they go on through the years, they start to, to get that confidence and yeah, they're confident and they're comfortable. And, that, and, and that's like arrogance that they are, you know, they're better than everything else that's out there, but you're right. There must've been a point before that where, you know, I mean, 
you and I have built our own guitars and taking them to a meetup or speaking to friends that understand it is one thing. Um, but trying to pitch it to someone that has no idea what it is um, and <laughs> what it means and why it's so important to, to you as an individual. So like before COVID, we had some family come over and I had all the parts laid out and I was like, yeah, I'm going to build this guitar. It's awesome. Brian made it with his dad when he was young and I'm going to build one and it's going to be as close as I think I can get it. And it's something I wanted to do for the last 20 years and blah, blah, blah. And they're just like, oh, that's cool. Why don't you just buy one? Yeah, you, you see eyes glazing over and they start rolling <laughs> in the back of their head and they're just nodding. And it's, yeah, I mean, it, it th- but this is, this is the thing. Any project I work on, I, I always remind people, any project you're ever doing, no one is going to like it as much as you. You know, it will never be as important to anyone as it is to you. And I think the thing like you, that you were saying about Queen and their confidence, I think the thing, the, the way that I see it is they realized they were the best at being Queen. And so, that you know, they didn't have to, they didn't have to think about what other people were doing. They they went out with confidence because we figured out who we are and we're, we're doing it. And there, there's no one else, no one else exists when we're doing it. So I think, I think that's where the confidence comes in, but you don't have that confidence. Your first gig, <laughs> at least I didn't. <laughs> well, a long time ago, I used to um, play in a local tribute band as, as Brian. And, um, that first time I remember some chap coming up to me as I was un- literally unpacking my, I think I bought some replica someone had made not very well and had a chunky pedal board and an AC 30 with an attenuator and, you're unpacking it and this rather burly bloke from Torquay comes over and you're not the bloody guitarist are you you'll be shit and <laughs> I yeah. mean, he was right Thanks, but um <laughs> but like <Yeah. laughs> and and they know that we're gonna try and play queen music but imagine not knowing what that is and that whole experience of turning up with that and also he he didn't have an attenuator back then so a full-blown AC30 treble booster and a homemade guitar and You'd be in the audience thinking, what the hell are we going to listen to now? Yep. That must have been an experience, though. Yeah, it definitely would be an experience. (laughs) I get upset that I'm not old enough to have been able to see them with Freddie live. Yeah. I think that that would have been a a real experience to see see them all together. Um, Definitely, yeah. But, you know, I mean, at least we have all this music and we have the concerts. I mean, I used to... I used to live off of uh, the Wembley show and Star Licks and like I would just watch those over and over again and um, aren't those the only two videos? <laughs> those are the only two videos that existed at least until the internet came around and uh, yeah so I mean it, you know we have what we have and um, I, I've been lucky enough I've seen them a few times now I got to see them uh, when they came out with Paul Rogers for the first time they played two shows in the States and I remember you know, sitting online and just hitting refresh, 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 refresh. And I got two tickets and, um, or got a few tickets. And I took my dad and, um, we went to the Hollywood bowl and slash showed up and it was like, it was amazing. And, uh, um, I'll never forget, you know, not everybody, not everybody's experience is your experience. And, um, when we went to the Hollywood bowl, the Hollywood bowl is like, it's a very cool venue, but it's also full of like yuppie scum because the, the, the way that the seats work, um, they're seats of four, they're boxes of four and the front two seats can turn backwards. So you can put a table up and you can eat while the concert's playing. So all around us, these people were just eating and talking 
and well, we were in the cheap seats, you know. And uh, I remember Roger coming out at one point and doing a song at the front of the stage, and he's just like, "It's been a long time since we've been here." He's like, "Did I just see a fucking waiter walk by?" I was like, "Yeah, you did." <laughs> you know. But I, I remember, you know, I felt like this might be my only chance to to see that guitar up close. So towards the end of the show, I, I just ran up to the stage. <laughs> I had like a little, um, I, I had like a little 2.1 megapixel um, digital camera, like one of the first, you know, crappy cameras to ever come out. And I just ran up to the stage, up to the catwalk, and he was doing guitar solo. And I was just like, that's the, that's the guitar right there. <laughs> you know? And it was like, it was amazing. And uh, I mean, I would have gone just to see him and the guitar. You know, but the, you had Roger there, you had the music, you had everybody having a good time. It was amazing. I got a similar story. Um, same thing. They came over to the UK and they played Hyde Park, and I um couldn't find anyone to go with, so I might end up taking my cousin, who's a bit younger than me, and he was up for a bit of adventure. So we got to Hyde Park at 10 a.m. Um, and we sat in line from 10 a.m. in the morning till whenever they came on and we managed to be like three people back from the front on the side that brian was on had specifically placed ourselves there to make sure that we got a good shot of the guitar and all i wanted was to see the guitar in person um and then you enjoy the show and you're kind of like oh this is good isn't it and then went on to go and see them a few more times but yeah my aim was to in many ways just see the guitar and be in the same space as it and hopefully catch sound of the ac30 and exactly i just wanted to hear it yeah i they they played the forum um a couple years back i I think it was when i think it was the first tour with adam lambert and they were you know they were excited to play the forum again and i was like well i gotta go so i got two tickets and i think it was like a day of the week or something and um i couldn't find anyone to go with me i it was in la and i live in phoenix so it was you know i had to make a six-hour drive to go see queen and i couldn't find anyone to go so i drove out to la by myself and watch Queen by myself, but I had two seats to spread out in, and um, that was a weird experience, but it, it was also, it was weird and, like, isolating, but when you're at a Queen concert, it's like a big family, you know, and, and when, when Love of My Life comes on, everybody's singing it, it's like, oh, gosh, this is, this is something special, so it, it's, it, go even if you can't find anyone to go with you, is the message there. Yeah, definitely, and it is, it's, I've been to, I've, like lots of people been to lots of different gigs and music and I've, I've taken my wife who also loves music and we've been to see loads of different bands and we've got a, a bucket list and we've only got a few few people left that are alive that we need to see to complete this list of bands and um she was a bit dubious when we went to see queen and adam lambert um and she came away and said that's the best experience of live music i've ever ever heard in my life with the audience participation and you feeling like they're performing at you and you are there with thousands of people and you're part of something that's one of those things i again i i don't think you can impart that on people it's like the guitar like you have to experience it you know i i used to work for a newspaper i used to take concert photos and um the very first person i ever worked with this the very first writer i ever worked with um she's kind of a more i always assume she's kind of more hardcore and into metal and things like that and um i've bumped into her a few times since you know like she's she's covered um gigs that i was filming or something like that you know so like we we would see each other and um i went and saw queen and adam lambert last time they were in phoenix and i was like man that was amazing and 
she subsequently wrote an article about the year you know it was one of those things like you know what's the what's the coolest album of the year you know what's the biggest letdown or whatever and it got to what's the best concert you've ever seen and she said queen and i'm lambert and and i was like i I don't know why i was surprised but i was surprised from her you know because because of the music that she listens to but i think even it it hit her even the same way you 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 can't leave that experience and go yeah it was all right you know it's it's you you know how much work they put into it and how how hard they're trying to reach all those people and it's and it's that that essence of freddie is still there and and you reach everybody and and i mean i i know some people that i know a guy that used to work with queen um and even he he was like he was crying at the end because he's just like it's amazing they still do it you still have that 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 reach all of my friends get in touch with me to let me know that there is something queen on just to make sure i haven't missed it because they know how much of a massive part of my life it is and um there was a documentary on this week on queen on channel four in the uk and that was on and i got like my phone just lights up with people telling me there's a documentary about queen but one of the interesting stats that um came through from this is that one of my friends messaged me to say that i think bohemian rhapsody is the most streamed song ever on spotify I think, and I think um, Queen have never been so popular before as they are today, based off of what they've been doing recently, and obviously the the Bohemian Rhapsody film and the strength of having Adam with them, and I just find that amazing to think, you know, if <laughs> again in the story of Brian and his dad in the shed building this guitar, and you know, I'm if it was me doing something with my dad or i'm sure if it was you with yours you'd be like oh just imagine if if we built this thing and it went on to be this thing that i used for the rest of forever whatever it is you're doing and become something bigger and they're like oh yeah i wonder if you're gonna end up being a famous guitar player with this guitar (laughs) yeah (laughs) and and yeah he did and then he stayed being one of the top guitar players in all time forever and then when he was in his 70s he went on a live live tour after making a biopic film about the band and then became an even bigger than they were when they were in the heyday it's just yeah, an amazing you, story i mean you can't beat the story and you can't beat the music and um no. having been to that concert um having been to, to to a number of the concerts but especially the forum concert because i wasn't with anyone as, as we were kind of all exiting the, the arena i was listening into to, to conversations and I was actually really surprised how many um, Adam Lambert fans there were, who were who were listening to Queen for the first time. And I, I, it's an obvious thing to say that, that Adam Lambert will bring a different crowd, but I was actually very surprised how many people that was, and 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 how young they were. And I just thought it was brilliant because the music is timeless. I mean, you can't do better than these songs. So if you've never been introduced to them, I mean. It, it's the it's the perfect way the, what they're doing with their legacy and 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 reintroducing it to people i think it, it's it's perfect because there's always new people to listen and those songs are always going to be hits the whole thing is amazing when you the whole thing is uh, you listen to any one of the the greatest hits songs so that first album which is how i started off curating my knowledge on queen songs when my dad gave me a a slightly yellowy tape with Queen's Greatest Hits because I'd watched Wayne's World and asked my sister profusely, what was that song they headbanged to? What was it? He's like, it's Queen's, Bohemian Rhapsody. He's like, do we have this in the house? 
and then later on my dad presented me with this old cassette cassette tape the slightly yellowy one in the, the original box and I was like who the hell are these guys plugged it in and away you go and it's a lot to answer for that film Mike Myers you have a lot to answer for um but those songs are still as relevant today as they were when they were made and um, under pressure came on the radio um yesterday and I was listening to the words of under pressure and you're just like this is pretty much I it, they're songs so you can relate them to whatever you want to but just thinking of this year and everything that's going on with covid and the pandemic around the world and what everyone's going through and it's like they could have written this this year about this it's it's a it's a timeless they, they write timeless songs that relate to yeah, any era very and universal and relatable every every generation is able to relate to them and they have countless songs i think that's what always gets me with them it's not just one one hit wonder or they wrote something that every song well not every song but a lot of songs are, are hits or right and you have lots to pick from you have a lot of genres to go through i mean every you get something different on every album i, I think it's it's a band it's a band for every for everyone it definitely is and it all started off with a red special guitar, which actually isn't red either. It's always made me chuckle. <laughs> I'm sure it makes him chuckle too. I wonder yeah. if it was red at one Orangey. point. I wonder if there's any if there's any blood in, involved in the in the staining. There's a there movie called mine. Red Violin. <laughs> there's a movie called The Red Violin that that follows this this violin, and it has a storied past, and and it was it was stained with blood, and I was like, that's cool. I should stain a guitar with blood. Yeah, but you gotta you gotta check to see you gotta put water on it though to see what rustings will look like over the top. That's yeah, that's, that's the key there. Yeah, so any, anyone doing the staining of their guitar, if they're uh, using blood or or any other or, kind of or stain, stain, you want to know what yeah. it's going to look like. Do um, a sample. I mean, there are options. There, there are options, but um, if you put a bit of water on top when it's dry, you can see what it's going to look like when you put the finish on. So a little tip yeah. there for everyone. There is yeah. actually blood in my guitar though from my build where I. I, I can't remember what I was cutting by hand, but I was cutting something and I had to be on a call um, for work. And um, I cut like, uh, what was I? It was with a scalpel. What was I doing with a um, Maybe binding. And I slipped and sliced the end of my finger nearly clean off. And oh, nice. I, I, I had blood all over it and um, I couldn't get it out, so it's still in there. But <laughs> I kept being asked why I was so white on this call for work. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, Luke that's been brilliant to talk to you today i've taken up far too much of your valuable time where you can be earning money and doing lots of other creative stuff <laughs> i've had i've had a blast it's been good i think we've got some other bits we could cover off at another time which would be good we go a little bit deeper into your greg fry history but um yeah for anyone that hasn't checked out any of luke's work i would highly suggest heading over to the red special forum on facebook and checking out all of Luke's posts, heading over to YouTube and looking up Luke yourself, heading to iTunes or any other approved video distribution thing online <laughs> and checking out Intersect. And then um, there's the uh, the one thing we haven't talked about, which is your Sherlock podcast. I think we've yeah. spoken about your science. Is it Lawrence Krauss? I forget what the Lawrence name Krauss. of that podcast yep. is. It's the Origins and podcast which luke's involved in and then luke has his own podcast with his brother gus talking all things jeremy brett sherlock holmes the old granada series from the uk which again is um 
worth a listen if you are a fan of anything Sherlock. If you're into a very niche podcast, um, we we take very deep dives, far too deep, into every episode of the Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes series from Granada. Um, it was something, again, from my dad, influenced from my dad, watching Masterpiece Theater in the, in the States. They would play them, and um, yeah, we, we just... From an early age, we, we were we were hooked on those, and my brother and I discussed them constantly, and we eventually just went, we should maybe do a podcast and see if anyone else cares about this kind of stuff. And they do. <laughs> They're out there. You've inspired me too many times this year, Luke, because, you, well, you've made me make it, well, not made me, but you've, you've inspired me to complete my guitar. You've helped me come up with this idea of a podcast, which is one of many ideas we had um, when I was in the States, but... This seems like the most feasible one. Um, so yeah, you've got a, you've got a lot to answer for too. Yeah, I'm I'm happy. I'm happy to answer for it. I'm happy to help. Thank you very much, sir. Um, thank you. It's been great, and thank you for putting up with me for an hour or so. I had a great time. Till the next meetup. Till the next meetup. <laughs>